The Dental Brief is brought to you by Omni Premier Marketing and the amazing guests who bring wisdom and advice that you can put to use to take your business and practices to the next level. Find us on Facebook and join the conversation. Get ready to grow because we are kicking off the next episode in three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Dental Brief. So excited about today's guest. Um, we always love it when doctors come on the, the program to share with us to help build up other dentists. So uh, let me get right to the introduction. Dr. Anthony Stefanu, say hello to everyone. Hello, everybody. Good morning. Good to be here. Hey, it's great to have you here. I'm really I'm thankful for you to take uh, your time uh, to visit with us. Um, I want you to kind of back up to, the, to, the, to day one. How did you decide to become a dentist? How did you get involved in dentistry? Well, it wasn't because anybody in my family had uh, had had gone that route. I um, uh, early on in my life, I just um, was really interested in science, and and um, I don't know, it was always one of those things that I wanted to be a doctor. But I, as the time went on, went through high school, and as I went to college, I realized I didn't want a physician's lifestyle. It was uh, decision that, uh, and I had volunteered in a dental clinic. Um, so I think, I believe it was my sophomore year in high school. And, uh, I just felt it was a better fit, a good fit for me, um, in the healthcare industry. And so that, uh, starting in college day one, I was pre-med, but always technically looking at it as pre-dental. And, um, you know, uh, when I started school, this is in the eighties now in dental school, uh, there was a large percentage of the students in my class were, you know, from uh, generational two, three generations of, of dentists. And um, that wasn't the case with me. So it was just uh, something that uh, I kind of learned as I went along. And uh, then when I got out, I had to figure out um, how I was going to make a living. So, yeah. So here you are. You practiced dentistry for how long? Well, I practiced uh, full time for 20 years. I um, actually opened the practice from scratch. I was an associate for a couple of years. And it was from scratch, but it was very interesting because, again, this was now the late 80s and um, didn't have a lot of money or anything like that and couldn't find a practice that I that was affordable to buy. Good buddy of mine who I had gone to college with, it was a fraternity brother of mine, was a chiropractor. Mm. And he was uh, breaking up with a partner and uh, looking for space. And we decided that, hey, wouldn't it be cool since we're good friends if we uh, kind of open up something together? Yeah. And basically, uh, we did it to kind of just share the bills, the rent and all that stuff. And uh, of course it was now looked upon as, as some sort of an entrepreneurial venture. And so we opened the dental chiropractic office and I uh, did that for 20 something years, 20, almost 20 years. And then for the last almost 15 years now or so, I've been really devoted to the full time uh, side of, of the business of dentistry. Yeah. So you obviously saw that there was some kind of, you know, now you're helping dentists all over the, the country. You have quite the organization. I think the, the easiest way to learn more is uh, connectthedents.com. A lot of places they can go from there and we'll jump into that. But clearly you saw some problems throughout your career or had some challenges or issues that you thought, why isn't there help for this? And that's oftentimes how businesses are born, right? They, they see a problem they have a solution for the problem. So what was the big problem that made you decide, hey, I need to go out and help other dentists in this area? Well, it's interesting because I, I while I work a lot with dentists and that's a big part of what I do, I also work quite a bit with dental companies, manufacturers, mm -hmm. dealers, 
those sorts of things. And I, and the reason why I decided to work really on both sides there was as a practicing dentist full time, um, you guys notice we used to have always had reps coming in the office, you know, the dealer reps, the manufacturing reps wanted to sell their product to us. And I, I actually got pretty frustrated with uh, those conversations. Um, they, they got upset when they weren't able to, to see or meet with me. And there's just a lot of them out there. And um, I always felt like the conversations weren't really about me and my practice. It was just them kind of spewing information about their stuff. And so I, uh, mm. I got into product development for an oral care company. And one of the things I did was develop some products and had to launch them. And realized that when we launched products, we had I had my own sales team, and I saw the same things that were going on with my sales team that were happening when people were coming to my office. So I developed a program uh, called the Dental Sales Academy. It's called How to Sell to Dental Offices, and it it's all about the, the psychology of the dentist. Um, why do they buy product? Is it because your studies say that it's the best product? Because your competitor has studies that says they have the best product. So uh, this was something that uh, I think there was a big need for, uh, heavy demand. And I, I ended up in the last, I don't know how many years working with now, over 300 companies have taken my program. And so that was one thing about it. And then the second thing as a dentist was that I found that as the years went on, um, you know, dentists used to always say, well, I'm going to practice till I drop dead or I retire and I'm going to retire late in life. The, the bottom line to me was most of them didn't really have much of an exit strategy. Um, right. You know, they kind of went year to year. And uh, so I, I felt that, you know, there was definitely something there to kind of look at um, trying to work with dentists to really kind of understand that your strategy doesn't begin as you're slowing down. And I think that was a, a big part of it. And then, of course, the DSO situation came in. And people didn't understand what was going on with that. It was a major disruption in the industry. People were kind of uh, upset about it. And so I felt that it was really strong for me to really kind of learn what were the best options for dentists out there and what, you know, how do you, how do you plan your strategy? What is your practice worth? You know, what are your options? And right. and start to do that as a colleague. And that's some, some of what we do. Both of those things kind of are part of what we do with Connected Dents. Yeah, so I think the answer to this question can help a lot of the companies that you work with um, as they learn to, to, to talk to dentists and uh, how to better understand dentists. But what are some of the big challenges that you see that dentists are facing today that, you know, outside of that um, transition uh, issue? What are some big challenges that you're seeing? You're talking to so many people. You're talking to vendors. I mean, you know, these companies that you work with, they have to give you a ton of information, right? Well, they do. I mean, and look, I, I think there's a lot of things. I mean, uh, I think the bottom line, I, I know it sounds funny to say this, but because I think people that are not in dentistry uh, and when you say you're a dentist, it's always like, you know, why would you want to be a dentist? Um, but for the people that are dentists, they, they go into dentistry because they really do like to do dentistry. They're artistic and mechanical, all those things. And I, dentists really want to just do dentistry. The problem right. today is it is really if you do not really understand and, and really focus on how to deal with running a business. And, and it's always been said that dentists are bad business people. Well, partially that's because in a four year curriculum and it hasn't changed in the 35 years I went to school, you get like two days of business training in four years. But the right. bottom line is now you have these regulations. Now you've got HR stuff that's crazy. 
um, you know, the regulations, the HR, how do you get good deals on, on supplies, equipment, um, just dealing with, uh, you know, every, everyday stuff that comes up and then insurance negotiations, all those things. I mean, I, now I hear it over and over again that dentists have built these nice practices, but they really, their overhead is going way, way up, even though they're doing a pretty good job at trying to control things. Um, yeah. I think the biggest challenge is, you know, the average dental practice overhead is, is, you know, now in the 70 something percents, which, um, you know, a lot of practice management consultants feel that's, it shouldn't be that way. But I always tell them, hey, you know what? It's easy to say that from the outside. When you're on the inside running the practice, there are a lot of things you're up against every day. So I think, I think that's part of it and, and really having a strong strategy to streamline costs, but increase being a cutting edge dentist. Look how many toys and technologies there are out there. You know, you buy something, it's not obsolete, but it, it becomes kind of like, well, I need, I need the newest and the best uh, within right. a couple of years. So you're putting yourself in more debt. You have to keep buying technology. There's a lot of challenges with all that stuff. And then on top of it, hey, if I want to use an implant system, what do I use? Well, there's, you know, 200 implant systems on the market. Sure. Um, you know, how do you how do you determine what's best? Software, which which cloud-based practice management software do I use? Uh, there, are, there are a lot of dental companies, a lot of technologies and a lot of different manufacturers. And so, you you know, running a practice is, is very, very different than when I started. It sure is. So let's go back to when you started. Let's say you started that practice today or a couple of months ago and you have all the experience. You have the experience of running a practice, a successful practice for over 20 years. You have the experience of working with all these vendors and coaching and teaching them and coaching and teaching dentists and helping them with their evaluations. If you had... All of that wisdom that you have today, when you started your practice today, you're back at, you know, 26, 27, 28 years old. What do you tell yourself? What advice do you give yourself? Well, I think, first of all, uh, as, you're, as you're building your practice, you're determining what kind of pra what, what products you want to use, all that stuff. I, I do believe that you have to really somewhat cut to the chase with all that. I mean, you have to do your research. The advantage now, of course, you can do a lot of it online. But, you know, anybody that called on me, that was trying to sell me something to the office, I would just say to them, look, um, I'm happy to give you 15, 20 minutes. Before you come in, I'd like you to look and research me and know who, who I am. Look at my practice, look at my website, get to know who I am. And when you come in, yeah. get, you know, streamline your presentation to how your product works for me as a practice, not what the studies say, not why you're better than the competitor. But, but if you can do that, we'll have a very productive 15, 20 minute conversation. I think yep. that's one of it. I think the second thing is, you know what? Embrace the world that is what it is right now. And that is that we're gonna have in a few years, uh, two vertical uh, coexisting and thriving situations. You're gonna have the private independent dentist, you're gonna have the DSO affiliate. It's already almost 25, 30% of the offices are affiliated. If I don't want to affiliate with a DSO, and that's the beautiful thing about dentistry, you don't have to. But if you don't want to affiliate with it, then just rem remember you're, you're gonna you're up against uh, DSO affiliates in your neighborhood as well. So you have to learn how to be able to market your services in a way where you're going to compete mm -hmm. in that environment. And I think you have to embrace it. You can't you can't say, "Oh, get critical and just say I wish they leave" because they're not leaving. Right. You know. So there's a yeah. few things going on there. 
Yeah, I think there's a that's a, a lot of good points. And I think competing with DSOs, if you want to own a private practice, is something that you should be spending some time probably every single day, um, right? Even if it's only 10 or 15 minutes, right? Just thinking about it, meditating on it, writing out plans um, and executing plans. And then, I, you know, let me ask you this question. It just kind of popped into my head. Um, I think that um, DSOs do so well because of the systems they have in place, mm-hmm. right? So, of course, they have skilled people. Right, that can that can carry out these uh, procedures, if you will, and we'll even call them standard operating procedures, right? SOPs. I think a lot of private practices and small businesses miss out on that, but we we have we know it works, right? If you look at United Airlines, United Airlines literally has employees that you you literally trust with your life, but I don't know that you would trust these pilots with your life if they weren't following the SOPs that were set up. You see this? Do you see this being a big problem helping dentists get to where they want to be? Just a lack of pro, uh, procedures and, and uh, processes. Yeah, I think so. I mean, again, with the DSO thing, I think a lot of them are critical. Look, the DSO used to stand for Dental Service Organization. It's really Dental right. Support Organization. That's yeah. really what they are. And I think we can learn a lot by them. Um, yeah, they get a little bit upset because uh, technically, you know, they're financial people. Kind of now, think they're thinking that they're telling dentists what they do. What they don't understand is that they're very clear about the fact that they can't hold a handpiece. They can't do the dentistry. Uh, They're not allowed to do that period. And so you're always going to be in charge of the clinical side of it, but learning Mm -hmm. from them as far as yes, how to, how to put procedures in place, how to, how to actually, uh, you know, operate a business. uh, I think we could learn a lot. And I think that the, the problem with it is there's a lot of DSOs right now and it's the same thing. I tell dentists all the time, you know, there are good dentists and there are bad dentists, so to speak. And I'm putting them in quotes. It's the same thing with DSOs. Right. Uh, not every DSO is, let's say, Heartland or Aspen. As a matter of fact, Heartland and Aspen are one and two in size, and they are completely different business models. But they sure. have their operation side to them. So they, they I, I tell people learn all, all the time from it because the, the, the truth of the matter is even something as, as simple as, for a dentist to really even understand, like, you know, learn how to read a profit loss document. Don't right. just leave it up to your account. I mean, take a look at your practice month to month, get your profit loss document, take a look at what is actually going on there because your this is going to become your practice, going to become your greatest value, your greatest asset in your life, probably more than your home or anything else you have. And, and then dentists are kind of a, sub, succumb to the idea that was something made up really 30 something years ago, 20, 30 years ago. And a lot of them are like, well, it doesn't really matter. I'll just do this amount of collections and my practice is then worth X amount. It's not, it's actually worth uh, what the cash flow and the multiple is on that. Two sure. practices that both do a million dollars are not worth the same amount of money. Right. Uh, so learning the profit loss thing, learning the, the business even acronyms and terminology, like what is EBITDA? What does it mean to me? How, how, sure. do I, how do I increase that? That kind of right. stuff is something that we should all be doing, regardless of what our eventual exit strategy is, whether you're going to end up affiliating or, or selling to another dentist in a few years. Right. I think is um, I think that I, I don't really hear people talking about this. Maybe that you do, but I think as DSOs continue to grow, right? I I can see them. Sp- not switching, but adopting a model of starting to do startups at some period of time. So I can well, see some that. Some of them are already, that. yeah, some of them do do that. And some of them are hybrids, yeah. you know, yeah. of course we call them de novo where they're, and you know, they're, they're not acquiring practices. The big shift really with DSOs is, and we, you know, we just came from Yankee Dental Conference in Boston and 
there was some there was a really good summit meeting on it. And I and I one of the things that we do with Connect Events is we de develop profiles on hundreds of DSOs because they all have like different models. What's going on now is this, there's technically over two thousand DSOs out there, but if you look at anything like similar types of things that have happened in other healthcare disciplines or in business in general, what it's going to happen is they're going to start consolidating. They're, you know, they're, they're, they're going to start kind of buying each other out. And eventually what's going to happen with the DSOs is there's going to be maybe 20, 30, 40, 40 of them. And we're talking about 10, 10 20 years from now. Right. Uh, and so they're going to have, they're going to have uh, models that will be a little more similar to one another right now they're all kind of figuring out what their niche market is within dentistry and all that stuff. But sure. yeah, the bottom line is um, you do, if you're a dentist right now, you, you should just understand and educate yourself on the fact that there are a lot of uh, different models that are out there and that, yep. you know, the, the consolidation uh, in dentistry is going to happen everywhere. It's going to happen with DSOs. It's going to happen with manufacturers. You know, dentistry doesn't need 300 composite residents. Um, right. Yeah. You know, not not those come on mom and pop manufacturers. There's going to be a lot of that consolidation, and there's some great technologies out there now. But it's confusing to some dentists because there's so many options. But eventually, you're going to start to see that again. All start to come together in, in the next uh, ten years. In the meantime, fifty-five to sixty percent of the dentists that are practicing right now will be retiring in the next ten years because the baby boom generation is about that age away from from starting to do so some of them sure. already are doing it so we're seeing a lot of interesting trends in the demographics of dentistry and the, on the business side of dentistry that you have to keep, you have to keep your eyes open and, and keep yourself informed yep i always tell people it doesn't matter what the business is act as if amazon and google are going yeah. to get into your business. So with an Amazon, Absolutely. we might see that happen. I wouldn't be surprised. Amazon's kind of in dental, you know, mostly with, yeah. you know, supplies. But yeah, right. they, 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 they've been watching dentistry and they, I, you know, they want to do certainly more, well, I'm sure. They have financial investments in companies that dentists use all the time as Absolutely. well. As actually ways that patients find dentists, Amazon helping with that. So um, hey, I want to encourage our audience to uh, check out the website, connectthedents.com. A uh, ton of information on there, uh, easy to, to get a hold of uh, Dr. Stefanu and his team. Um, Dr. Stefanu, thanks so much for coming on the program. We appreciate you. My pleasure, Patrick. Have a great day, everyone. It was great to be here.